And so uh, as we begin a new program year today, we're also beginning our fall sermon series entitled, What Disciples Do. The Christian church today and for centuries has spent most of its energy on doctrine and theology. We've had a, a focus of orthodoxy, which is, is uh, Greek for uh, right praise or right belief. And we, we like to think we're pretty good at it. We debate about it. Uh, churches have arguments over it and have been splitting over these arguments for the past 500 years. But if we look back to the Gospels and the early church in Acts and even the first few centuries of church history, you'd find that there's some reflection and, and energy spent on orthodoxy or right belief, but most of the focus was on practice, on the work of discipleship. Instead of orthodoxy, it was a focus on orthopraxis, right work. So this fall, we're going to focus on what it means to follow Jesus as disciples. What does our ever-developing faith look like when it's lived out together in community? And to begin this series on the work of discipleship, however, we're going to first look at how we're able to boldly do these things that Jesus calls us to do as we follow him. So to reflect on this important how question, we're turning to the psalmist, who like the prophet Jeremiah in our first reading, reflects on God's close care in creating and sustaining each of us. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 139th Psalm, beginning with the first verse. O Lord, you have searched and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them, they're more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. As some of you know, my family moved here to Warrington from Knoxville, Tennessee. And in Tennessee, we weren't too far from the town of Gatlinburg at the foot of the Smokies. Gatlinburg is known as a tourist destination, but there really are a number of places there local fo folks enjoyed, too. My favorite area in Gatlinburg is uh, the area known as the Artist's Loop, 
which is an eight-mile loop road just outside of town that winds scenically through mountain creeks and hills uh, beside the beautiful countryside. And along the way are different artist shops. One time I had the privilege of going out there and spending the afternoon with a professional potter in their studio. They went over how to prepare the clay, how throwing on the wheel works, which terrified me what the glazing and firing process looked like. I was amazed at the amount of trial and error that goes into the work of pottery, even for seasoned pros. But there was something that amazed me even more. After watching the potter at work, I spent some time in their gallery looking at all the different pieces they had for sale. This was a big gallery. There were hundreds of pieces throughout the shop. What amazed me was that each time I picked up a particular piece to get a closer look, the potter would tell me something unique about that piece. The potter intimately remembered each piece in his shop, even when it was a mug with half a dozen others exactly like it, same color and style and everything. The potter would remember that particular mug, what makes it unique from the others what small flaws or blemishes it has. Not that those were a bad thing necessarily, but rather, what distinguished that mug from the others? And why wouldn't he? The potter remembers each piece, taking it from a piece, a clump of earth and mud, shaping and forming it into the unique vessel that it has become. And then at the end, the potter pauses and takes delight in his creation. This craft of pottery was around in biblical times, and astonishing, astonishingly, it really hasn't changed all that much in the 2,500 or so years that separate this potter in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and the image of the potter the prophet Jeremiah employs in our first reading. Jeremiah writes here at the cusp of Babylon's destruction of Jerusalem and the impending exile of Israel. The prophet is trying to warn the people about this pending doom, and he receives this vision of God as a potter, shaping a vessel from clay, reminding Jeremiah that he and Israel have been formed by God's hand and are still held closely by God. Jeremiah says that the vessel in the potter's hand spoiled, but God kept working at it making it into a new vessel altogether. That God continues to mold and shape us as vessels throughout our lives with whatever comes our way. God is there, forming us into new creations. As disciples, we're formed by God. To go back to the Genesis image of creation, we're formed from earth and mud and clay, shaped like a vessel from a potter. God remembers what makes us unique and wonderful, what distinguishes us from the rest of creation. And like the potter in the shop, takes delight in each of us for who we are. The psalmist in our second reading uses some different images, but really continues Jeremiah's theme of praising a God who shaped and formed and created us. God has hemmed us in behind and before. God has knit us together in our mother's womb. My favorite words, though, 
bring this image home. As the psalmist poetically claims that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. But the psalmist takes the image of God's care and formation of us to the next step entirely. He begins his praise with the words, You have searched and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. Today, we live in an age of big data. We're increasingly concerned about how companies collect our information. And also, we live in a time where there are constant hacks of our personal, medical, and financial information. Seems like there's another story about this in the headlines every week. We worry a lot about people gaining access to our information, about people learning who we are, about our information. And as a result, I think we often struggle as people with what it means to be known today. I think this image, though, of God intimately knowing each of us can really connect with us in a unique way today. Deep down as humans, as relational beings, we want to be known. We are created in the image of God to be in relationship with God and with one another. We want to be known in ways that are life-giving. We long to be known in ways that remind us that we are seen, loved, and cared for. Something that at times seems a hard thing to come by today. The psalmist praises God's tireless work of searching and knowing us. Every action, every detail, every blemish, God knows. But this all-knowingness of God isn't a source of worry for the psalmist. No. It's a source of ultimate comfort for him. He knows that he is known by God. He praises God for watching over and guiding his every move. This God doesn't stand idly by, setting a mortal into the world like a wind-up toy. No, this God who fearfully and wonderfully made the psalmist knows his past, present, and is there forming his future. And this knowledge is the greatest comfort for the psalmist, not his deepest fear. Whatever the psalmist may be facing in this difficult and often cruel world, he knows that he's not alone. God is there, and in the end, will still be with him. This idea of God searching, knowing, and forming us through each stage of our lives is why this is one of my favorite psalms. It's spoken to me in profound ways in both the good and the bad of life, reminding me that no matter what, God knows me. God knows me better than I know myself. God has fearfully and wonderfully formed me out of dirt and clay. God holds my past, present, and future and is there with me to the end. Every time I read the psalm, I'm reminded or rather, I know that I am known by God. Knowing that we're known by God allows us to live as God's children. Knowing that we're known by God allows us to boldly follow Jesus as disciples. 
A number of years back, a mentor of mine told me the story of his aunt's funeral. For years, uh, her dementia progressed until finally she could barely remember the major moments or people in her life. She was a devout Christian and active church member all her life, and, uh, but her dementia made my mentor even wonder if she could remember who God was. And so going to the funeral, he looked at the bulletin to find that the pastor would be giving his funeral homily from Genesis 8. He thought to himself first, really, in this difficult moment, you're going to preach about Noah and the flood? You know how they say doctors make the worst patients? I think the same could be said for preachers and sermon listeners. He tried to listen reluctantly until at about the halfway point, the pastor stunned him. His refrain throughout the sermon was, and God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah and caused a, a wind to make the floodwaters recede. And then this refrain turned to his aunt. Though she may not remember God, God remembered her. As the psalmist says at the end of our reading, I come to the end, I am still with you. My mentor would admit that he had it all wrong. It didn't matter that his aunt could or that his aunt couldn't remember who God was because God remembered her and in the end was right there with her, giving her peace. We are known by God even when we cannot know that we are known because God remembers forming us like a potter with a piece of clay, knitting us together in the womb, caring for us throughout each stage of our lives. This fall, friends, as we discern what disciples do, remember that we are formed, searched, and deeply known by God, who is always reforming us and who will always remember us. Because after all, we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, distinctly shaped by the potter's hand, and God delights in each of us. As we kick off our program year on Rally Day, may we also remember that God the potter continues to form and shape us throughout our lives. That God essentially is never done with us. May this deep understanding of who we are and how God loves and cares for us embolden us to do the tough work of discipleship today. To boldly follow Jesus with every ounce of our being that we might shine forth the light of Christ to a world that's longing for light and hope and remind everyone we meet that they too are fearfully and wonderfully made by God who delights in them each day. Amen.